Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. And what I want to share today, again, every week God has so challenged me personally, is I want to speak on the topic of generosity, and I want to speak on living generously. So let me just pray, and, and then we'll jump, we'll jump right in. Father, I pray that as you have put on my heart, and as you have revealed to me, your glorious and beautiful generous nature towards us. I pray, God, that you, Holy Spirit, would you make that clear and real to every single person here, whether they know you or not, may we see that everything is sustained by you. And I pray, God, that as we look upon your beauty and your generosity to us, God, that you would capture every heart here, that they would give away their lives back to you and for others. I ask that you would breathe on this word right now, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'm going to look at verses 6 through 13. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation for today, so if you would like, it'll be on the screen. You can look up there as well. But let me just share this before we jump into this. The, the, the topic of God's generosity is, is a bit daunting to start to think about and wrestle with and try to communicate to people. It cannot be done in, in a Sunday. We would need multiple Sundays. But, but I just want to share a few things that God has just spoken over me and released into me that I want to release over you today. Because as we shared these last few weeks, I just believe if we come with open hearts, there is breakthrough. There is breakthrough for us to truly just live in this radical generosity. Let's just start here. If you think about God, you think about God in, in in his entirety, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, from beginning to end throughout the Bible, generosity just runs through it. Creation itself, God doesn't need us. He didn't need this place. Creation comes from the overflow of his generous nature. That's why me and you exist. The reason why things are enjoyable, the reason why food tastes good... <laughs> It doesn't matter what it is. In these simple ways, it's because whether you recognize or not, all things come from him. He is a generous and good God. And the incredible statement and the incredible truth is that we know that as humans, we've just failed miserably <laughs> in creation, but God has never stopped being generous towards us to the point that he would even come in the person of Jesus Christ who would lay down his life for us and ultimately give back our original birthright that we ourselves gave up. That's absolutely amazing that God would do that. I mean, the gospel story itself, the centerpiece, the centerpiece of the entire Bible, everything points to it, everything is... is this is the aftermath of what Jesus has done, the gospel of Jesus coming to lay down his life. It is a story of radical generosity. For God so loved the world, he gave. Generosity is love in, in action. And I want to I share this because as we look at the life of Jesus and this teaching from Paul, it's, um, it's, quite, it's, it's challenging. It's deeply challenging when you see how generous God has truly been to us. And I, I came across a story of, I'll just share it quickly, but Alexander the Great. How many of you know of Alexander the Great, Right? 
He was King Alexander, and there's a short story of how one day he was walking down the road, and he came across a poor person, and he was walking with his servant, and he gave two uh, gold coins to his servant, and this, uh, to, the, to the poor person. And the servant asked him, he says, he says, Lord, why would you give him two gold coins? He would have been satisfied with two bronze coins or copper coins. And uh, King Alexander, he would speak in third person, which was kind of strange, but he basically replied and said, those two bronze coins might have been okay for him, but it would have not have properly represented my kingship. You understand the weight of that? He said, I gave that not because of who they are, but because I want to represent who I am. I know that I am royalty. You see, when you begin to look at the life of God and Jesus, you realize that he gave away to us what's radically different about his generosity is while we're yet still enemies, when we're least deserving. The reason why is because he understands who he is. He did not give or not give based on us, which is what I will often do. Now, this person doesn't deserve it. They deserve it. But Jesus just gave away because he understands who he is. And the incredible truth is that when we come into union with Jesus... It says that we also are now royalty, a royal priesthood. The scripture even speaks to our identity in, in the same sense of being kingly. We are free to live in radical generosity that is not dependent on how people treat us or whether or not we think they deserve it. It's simply because we understand we now have been given the riches of heaven in Jesus Christ. And I give not because of who you are, but I give because I am aware of my kingly identity. It's tough to look at the life of Jesus when he's on the cross and he's being, he's being mocked and, and, and insults are being hurled at him. And he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus just radically generous. Just before worship, I was reminded of one of my favorite scriptures dealing with generosity. And we're not going to really speak on this today, but it's in Matthew 10, verses 5 through 8. And Jesus essentially... He calls together his disciples, and he's releasing authority to them. And he tells them that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. And, uh, and he tells them, I want you to go out and heal the sick. He says, I want you to cleanse the lepers. I want you to, to raise the dead. I want you to cast out those that are bound in demonic oppression. He says, for freely you have received, freely give. It says in the ESV, you have received without paying, so give without pay. You understand, God has dispensed the kingdom of God within each and every one of us. And there's nothing we have done to deserve that. And when you look at the life of Jesus, everywhere he went, he was releasing the kingdom. There is no one, more, there's no one that is more generous than Jesus himself. A Jesus people will begin to live like Christ, which is wherever he went, he radically gave of himself. Yes, of course, when we'll talk about that, of course, that means finances, but it's your time it's your attention, it's in relationships, it's in words. As we gaze upon his generosity and what he's done to us, it ultimately grips our heart to give our lives away to others. Scripture says we've received rivers of living water, not a lake. Lakes sit, they're still. We have a river. God has placed something in us. If we just grasp this, the kingdom of God lives within us. When you confess Christ, the Spirit of God, the kingdom is in you, which means everywhere you go, you can release kingdom, authority, power, 
the love of God, holiness, righteousness. You literally can change a whole atmosphere, a family, a community, one person who understands and it says, I've received this not because of anything I've done, but because he has given this for me. Therefore, I freely give it away everywhere I go. And so I just want to set the stage with that, that we are such a blessed people. And this is ultimately the, the life that we've been called to live. And here's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse, verse 6, I'm going to start in. Paul, just so you know, Paul is speaking. He's actually taking an offering for a group of believers who have been struck with a famine. So even though the, the initial context is money, we will see principles of generosity that carry in all areas of our life. And this is what he says. Listen to this. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. I mean, it's just straightforward. <laughs> you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't do it at a religious duty. He says, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. And verse 10 says this, listen to this. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. You will be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. And when, we take, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Listen to verse 12. This is so important. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express thanks to God because of this generosity. And finally, verse 13 says, as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. So I want to speak on living generously, and there's just two things I want to talk about, the impact of generosity and then the motivation for generosity that comes from this text. And then if we have time, there's actually a short testimony, well, not that short, that I want to play if, if we have a moment, but I promise you. I mean, you guys have ever heard of Todd White? Let me tell you something. There's a testimony of his radical giving that I just, every, I've watched it 10 times and I just weep every time. It's just so rich and so good. But listen to this. This is what it says. I want to first talk about the impact of generosity. And look at verse 12 again. It says, so two good things will result from this ministry of giving. First, he says, the needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met. So here's the very first thing. When we come together with our resources, whatever that looks like, our time, our treasure, our talents, the obvious takes place. We are actually able to meet real needs, things that people really need. Physical, tangible needs we're able to meet more than we could ever do on our own. And that's the first thing he says. But here's the second thing that I want to just really, really barrel down on. And the second thing he says is that, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. When we live in radical generosity, we actually have opportunities to draw other people closer to God. When we live in this place where we give away ourselves and whatever that looks like, we actually are revealing the very nature and heart to God and awakening them to who God is, his goodness, his generosity, 
and we actually cause people to actually see God through our generous acts that will actually cause them to give joyful expression of thanks back to him. I want you to look at this scripture in Proverbs 25, and it comes out of the Passion Translation. It should be verse 21. There it is. This is out of the Passion Translation. I love this. It says, If your enemy is your enemy hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with your kindness. Look at verse 22. Your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience, and God will reward you with favor. When we live with radical generosity, we have opportunities to awaken people's conscience to who God is. We actually provide a platform and a place in which people can actually begin to understand who God is. And they say, well, why did I receive this? I didn't do anything for this. In that radical giving, we are actually awakening something God has placed inside of them that they would actually begin to understand that God is in the midst of this and who God is and how God is absolutely for them. And if one person can do that, if one person stepping out in radical generosity can awaken the conscience of someone to who God is, what would happen if a whole body began to live in radical generosity? Listen, we have to, this is, I, I don't want to just go through doing church every Sunday. I know we talk, I don't want to do that. I want to see God move in this place. I want to see the things I see in the scriptures and not just be an outsider to them. And Christian generosity, there's many people that give, but one of the ways it's different is that it borderlines, it's absurd. Sometimes it looks reckless. It looks, it looks irresponsible because at the whim, the Holy Spirit speaks and says, give this up. And you had your security built in this. And you say, Lord, I trust you. I will do this. It's, it's radical generosity that God calls us into. We're not just talking about last minute giving, as good as that is, and we should. We're not just talking about seasonal giving because it's the time of the year. I'm talking about a lifestyle that is shaped in which we as a body are constantly coming together to figure out ways of which we can just absurdly and hilariously just bless other people because we are so aware of how we've been blessed by God. Are you guys following me? We're going to see how this, this body, how part of the reason why it spread through Rome is because of this radical generosity. And we had, not too long ago, we did something called Love Day here. And those of you may may remember it. We shut down Sunday service, and we just went out because we had a festival here. Now, that was just one small example. But I, there are so many testimonies that came back from just one small example of us living with incredible generosity. So we just went out. We gave out 100 gift cards. We gave out water. We gave out snacks. We gave out gifts. We did a beautification project. And people would ask, why are you doing this? And we, we just want to bless the community. This is our community. Do you know the beautification team, as they were doing it, I just love little stories like this. There was a gentleman who walked by, heard what was going on, and said, I want to join you guys. So he just started now weeding and doing you know, the flowering with them. And then the pizza parlor heard what they were doing and said, man, I want to bless you guys. So they gave the beautification team free pizza. And there was just this multiplication effect when we just started to just give away of ourselves. It's incredible. People were being awakened to the consciousness that, that God, is, God is real, and they were beginning to see the beauty of God in this. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of Sean Balls that I, I love to listen to, and he shared this incredible testimony of radical generosity. And what he said was when he was younger, he, uh, he used to oversee this ministry 
It was called uh, Rock the Nations. And he was a young leader, and there was young kids, 14, 15, 16-year-olds. And he said they would have anywhere from 500 to 2,000 kids that would come to these events. And so they're at one of these events, and uh, all is going well, and they go out to Applebee's afterwards. And he says, as they're sitting down at Applebee's, there's a bunch of groups from this conference. And they're eating. Sean's with the leaders, a lot of the leaders. And he notices that there's one large group of kids. He said it's a large group, not two or three. They took up a lot of the space. He says he notices they just get up and run out. And he found out that they dined and ditched. And he said, you got to be kidding me that they would do this. And so, of course, the manager comes over. And the manager is just, he's extremely angry. He says, you Christians, I knew it. And, uh, and so they're saying, look, we're sorry, we're sorry. And, uh, and they wind up saying, look, obviously we'll pay for the bill. And so they go back to the conference that night, and they just weren't settled about this. And so one of the leaders said, why don't we ask, why don't we take an offering to bless this waitress? And they said, well, what are we going to get? They're 14, 15, 16-year-olds. They spent all their money on Applebee's and the T-shirts that we offer. They have no money. And he said, well, let's just do it. So, so Sean said, one of the leaders gave this message and shared what, what, what happened. And he said it was so bad. He said, in fact, if I had to give, I wouldn't have given a single dollar to this. But in the middle of worship, they put two KFC buckets up at the front. And little did you know that kids just started going up, moved by compassion. And by the end of the worship, these two buckets were overflowing with crumpled dollar bills and everything they had. So he takes in the back room and he counts it and they have $2,700. So they go back. It gets even better, though. They go back to the restaurant. And he sees the manager, and he says, can I, and the manager, he says, already comes with, like, what, what are you guys doing here? And he says, can we see the waitress? And he's like, why? What do you guys want? He says, we want to bless her. And they shared what we did. We took an offering for her. And, uh, and then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, we'll get her. And so they get, they get the, uh, the waitress, and she comes out, and uh, they begin to share what they did. They said, look, we're sorry what happened, but we took an offering for you. And he said, I couldn't possibly like, put this in any order. So literally, the bucket was behind him and behind the other guy. And so they take out this bucket of just crumpled dollar bills and everything else. And they said, but look, here's $2,700 that we want to give to you. She, he said she screamed, cried, and fell to the floor. And he was like, okay, uh, this is cool. But the other guy, the manager, started crying. And he like, just fell on the floor against the door. And he goes, all right, this is, this is cool. He said, but it's, it's 2700 not $27 million. Like, this is awesome, but a little absurd. And they're just weeping on the floor. But the manager finally composed himself and gets together. And he says, no, you don't understand. He says, she, um, she's living out of her car right now with her one daughter. And he said, and CPS said, if you do not have $1,400 by tonight, you will lose your child. She said, she's been praying, she's been praying, but no miracles happened. She's angry at God. She says, God doesn't move, and then you guys showed up. And what, you don't want to know what happened? The next day, she comes to the conference. She gave her life to the Lord and testified what had happened. Okay, we can go home now. <laughs> But this radical generosity awakened her consciousness to God and how real he is. You know, I know of some pastors that, um, that I really respect. They won't even go out to eat. Talk about how serious it is about blessing people. They won't even go out to eat if they can't double the tip. If they can't even give somewhere around 40%, they won't even do it. They'll wait till they have the money. It's so important them to leave a testimony of that they are just generous people and they know who their father is. And, and you know why that's so important is because as I was reading more into this, and this is just a general statement, but... 
It's sad. You know, a lot of waiters and waitresses at diners, they hate Sundays. It's crowded, and they get no tips. In fact, I heard some even talk about reports of how they won't get any tip, but they'll just get a card that says, need a tip, give your life to Jesus. Now, I get it. I get it. I know it's most important, but are you kidding me? Like, we should be the most generous people. And this just opened my eyes. Wherever we go, we have opportunities to bless and give, knowing the riches we possess, knowing that heaven is secure for us, we have full provision in the future, and therefore, man, we can give away these things knowing what God has done for us. And I want to share one other thing with you. I had a few other testimonies, but I'll, I'll just share this. There was a, there was a letter that's an ancient and really an old, old document that they found that dates 20 years after the last apostle died, so that would be John. So you're talking about early 100s, somewhere in there. They don't know who wrote it, but they know that it was entitled the Epistle to Diognetus. And they know that this man was not a believer, but he basically was corresponding with this guy, and he wanted to know um, why is Christianity spreading at such a rapid rate in the Roman Empire. He couldn't understand it. You can go online and look up this epistle. It's absolutely fascinating. And so this letter is, is written, and I'll just summarize what happens. He basically says four things. He says, number one, writing this letter to Diognetus, he says, number one, there's no, basically says there's no racism. He says they treat everyone the same. They don't treat anyone differently. It's incredible because in the Roman Empire, there was, it was very different. The second thing he says, they have a high value of life. Because in the Roman Empire, they'd get rid of unwanted babies, especially if you were female or disabled. He says, but the Christians, they don't get rid of unwanted babies. This was an incredible testimony. The third thing was with sexual purity. He said this, he says, they share the table with many, but they share the bed with one. And they were blown away by this, that they would be faithful to one person, that they actually found liberty in that. But then he said one other thing, and I'm just going to summarize with one line that's actually from the letter. It says this. It says, they are poor, yet make many rich. They are in lack of all things, and yet abound in all. The fourth thing that he said, that why the Christianity is spreading, he says, these people are absurdly generous with their things. He says, they have nothing because they keep giving it away. And even though they have nothing, they're always content. They're always joyful. It doesn't matter. They're not clinging to these possessions. And you ask, how in the world could... Christianity spread in this corrupt empire that was so counter to them, and it's simple. Their lives were so beautiful. And when people saw them, they said, what in the world is? They would ask, what has happened on the inside of these Christians that they so freely give away their money and their possessions and everything for other people? How is it that they could choose to live with less for themselves so that they can live with more for others? What is going on on the inside of them? What is their motivation? And Paul actually gives us some answers to that in just a moment, but I want to, I think that's a, a good time for us to stop and ask, really, as a body. You know, we can just go through messages and not really make application. We say, hold on, how do people see us as a body? What do people say when they, when they say home church? What do people say when they, when they think of you, when they think of me? Do they say, Man, these people, let me tell you something, they are just crazy generous in the way that they live. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. You have to experience this. Do they say, just be careful when you get around these people. They are going to shower you with their time, their attention, their funds. They're going to open their homes to you. It's crazy how these people live. And honestly, the more I started thinking about it, I said, wow, Lord, I, I really struggle in this area. 
And God, I want to I know. I want to know truly what you've done for me, God. I, wanna, I want my heart to be so touched, God, that I live in this type of freedom, in this type of radical generosity. I know many of us, and we talk about it, we want to see, see what we would call a revival in this place. But, you know, as the more I study in different movements of God, especially just from the scriptures, you know what's one of the key characteristics? Radical generosity. Early church gave up everything for one another so that no one was without. There's something about it because it awakens everyone else to who God is. It's always one of the main fabrics when there is a true movement of God. And if we're going to see that take place here, it's going to cause us to really say, how do we do this as a body individually where we are really living in this type of lifestyle? And the other thing I'll share in terms of impact, and, and then I'll move to the motivation, is generosity has incredible personal benefits too. It's absolutely amazing. You know that there's true studies neurologically, biologically, and psychologically. These are non-Christians who do studies, and they have found that our best life is when we live lives as being givers. There's actual chemicals released that make you happy. There's actual stress levels that are reduced. You actually, um, your, your length of life is, is increased when you are, are not a taker, but a radical giver. We were hardwired to live generously. In every single way, this is what God has called us to. You know that there was a study in, in psychology today. Um, I heard one pastor sharing in this, and he said there was two groups of people. There was a, a good number of people. All of them were on antidepressants. All of them were on antidepressants, and it was about 12 days long. And they separated into two groups, and they gave $40 every day to both groups. But one group, they said, spend it on yourself. The other group said, you have to give it away. I promise you can look this up. Do you know that at the end of about 12 days, those that were giving their money away were coming off their meds? Depression was just being lifted. There's something when we come away from just being so consumed with self. I went through an extremely hard week this week, and what God had to show me is I, I spend sometimes too much time consumed with how things haven't worked out, what I don't have versus actually choosing to dial in on what I do have every time God has been there, every time it has worked out. I think our natural default is always to see, man, what I lack versus saying, man, look what Jesus has done. Look how he has already treated me so generously. I really believe just some of the changing of that perspective and the mindset will radically lift us out of, out of despair. And so that's the impact of generosity. And let me just share this briefly is the motivation of generosity. As I shared, how could the Christians live this way? What was, what was the motor inside of them that could lead them to live in such a manner? What was, what was driving them? Two things. Number one, let me just read verse six and seven again. It says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So it says pretty straightforward, we are controlling the amount of seed, right? Whatever that looks like in our life, our talents, treasures, you, you name it, time, we are controlling. In this context, it's, it's money. But what, however we give it, it's us to, to give away, right? But listen to this, verse 10. And I never saw this before. Verse 10 says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. I said, wait a minute. The very seed that God is asking us to give away has been provided by him. It's not even ours to begin with. The very seed that we're reluctant to give away, God says, actually, I have provided it for you. Right? Sometimes we say, no, I've, I've, I've earned this. Okay, we work hard. That's biblical. We should. But, you know, how did you wake up in the morning? The, the air in your lungs, who gave that to you? 
the connections you have at work, who gave you those connections, the area that you live in, who placed you in that area rather than 12,000 years ago in the mountains of Tibet? <laughs> it's God. And he gives us all these. He radically blesses us. I provided the seed so you can release it because I'm the one who's giving it to you. And I, I thought about this. Parents will understand this. Christmas is coming around, and my son is moving from a 3DS to Nintendo Switch. But I know it's going to happen. The same thing that happened with his Nintendo 3DS. I'm going to spend $40, $50 for a game. I'm going to watch him play it, and then I'm going to say, hey, can I, can I try that? And he's going to say, no, it's mine. <laughs> right? We, we, we buy him a candy bar. You brought him to the store. You paid for it. You say, can I just have a piece of that candy bar? No, it's mine. And you say, are you kidding me? Like, I, what I wanted, I could take that from you. I could go buy all these. I could even get it myself. I really don't need it. I, I just, I'm asking you to share with me, right? But honestly, it's funny, but how many times God says, hey, bless this person, whatever it looks like, money, your time, whatever it is, bless this person. No, no, why? It's mine. I'm not going to give that away. And God is calling us to, to just release that and and live in, in radical generosity. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, What do you not have that you did not receive? Everything is a gift from God. Everything is a gift from God. But here's the second motivation, and the key one. This is in verse 13, or ver end of verse 12, where he says they'll joyfully um, express their thanks to God. And then verse, verse 13 says, As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. And right here, for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. Did you catch that? Paul is saying when you're radically generous, it proves your obedience to the gospel. He actually says this all over in his letters. And what he's saying is to the degree that you live in generosity is to the degree that you understand the grace that has been extended in your life. Paul's actually saying if I need to, he said this in chapter 8, he says if I need to command you to give, you do not understand what grace has been extended to you. You want to know the difference between a moralist and a Christian? A moralist says, I behave really well, so God owes me something. A Christian says, God, I owe you everything because you've been so good to me. There is a radical, radical difference. And because we're all New Yorkers, what we're going to ask is, well, how much then? What's the bottom line? We get stuck on percentages, right? That, well, that's for another time. We can talk about it, but what I want to share this is it's not about meeting a, a percentage. It's not about meeting a number. God's never been looking for people that give a percentage to him. He wants 100% of our hearts. The question you ask is, what do I do? How much do I give, and what does that look like? The question is, what would be the most loving thing to do in the moment? Right? If I see someone who's on the streets who's clearly struggling with drugs, I'm probably not going to give them $1,000 because, honestly, they're just going to go take that and spend that and waste it. What I will do is maybe sit down with them and give them my time. But in other cases, it may be that I just need to bless these people financially. But I think we get so stuck on just, like Pastor Crystal said about hearing the voice of God, we, we systematize our walk. I, I met my number and I'm good. I, I gave on Sunday. But generosity is this lifestyle that we live in in which, we, which we're constantly walking in love. We're committed to love. And wherever love leads us, we say yes. And the beauty is you cannot outgive God. Malachi talks about how it's the one time that God says, test me. Test me on this. He actually says, you give to me. He says, I'll pour out a blessing you cannot even contain. Some of us can't receive the blessing because we're still holding so tightly. It's not a guarantee of a get-rich scream. God, God may 
pour out other things. One thing I do know is he'll release the anxiety over the money the moment we start to live in freedom and understand that God has provided all of it. But we can't outgive God. But here's, here's something that I want to just share before we close. Is some of us say, okay, I get this, but I really struggle with being generous. And in order to understand why, I think we really need to dig to the heart level for a moment. Because a lack of generosity, most of us say, I know, it's, I'm selfish. Not, not really. It's actually a misplace of our identity. What I mean is this, is that we look to things and possessions to give us a sense of self-worth and value. And as a result, rather than that, rather finding our value in there than the love of God, we have to, obviously, we need to hold on to our things and our money to keep purchasing or acquiring this thing that we are convinced without it, we are nothing. This is why Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, he says, where your treasures are, there your heart is. What he's basically saying is whatever you direct your heart to, your treasures will flow effortlessly in that direction. We often say money is an idol. Kind of, not really though. What it really does is money exposes our idols. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, look, if, if you're not generous, it's because you don't understand the gospel. Look at where you spend your money effortlessly. That will tell you where the treasures of your heart lie. For me, I'm a teacher, pastor, right? Now, I do love to read, but if I'm not careful, there's not a book that I haven't seen that I don't want. <laughs> Part of it is, is because not only do I want to read and, and I like to know things, but there's a measure of self-esteem that I get when people say, oh, look how much he knows. I find that I can spend money on books all day long. Clothes, my wife usually has to say it's time for some new clothes. I don't find as much value and worth from that. But all of us have that somewhere in our life. You'll notice that we have things in our life which we can just, our money just goes, no problem, we don't even think twice. But Paul is saying, look, if, if we find that our money just can't flow into the kingdom of God and for that, we need to really say, what are the true treasures of my heart? What, what do I really prize in my heart? And here's the reality is that whatever you set your heart on, whatever Whatever treasure, whatever your heart treasures, that thing will ultimately, it'll crush you, right? Set your heart on your kids, a good thing that becomes an ultimate thing. You'll find that you will spend all of your resources on them, but in the end, you'll smother them. You'll never let them just, just go because your, your whole uh, um, well-being is, is based on how well they are, are, are living. Do they, is their life turned out okay? Put in your career, you'll become a workaholic. Put, put your heart towards any of these treasures other than Jesus, and ultimately, in the end, it will crush you and take your life from you. The reason why Jesus is so unique and so beautiful, and the way that you can be liberated, is when all of these other treasures will take your life and crush you, Jesus Christ is the only treasure that was crushed for you and gave up his life for you. Every treasure you've given everything up for, Jesus Christ is the only treasure that has already given everything up for you. You need to think of, you need to just meditate on, this is what Paul's saying, meditate on the glory of the gospel. Don't grow, you don't outgrow this. Like a Rubik's Cube, just gaze upon the beauty in every way of how Jesus has given up something so that you could receive it. And I want you to think about this, Jesus in heaven, I mean, riches that we don't understand about, things that it's beyond monetary value, it's, you're talking about complete intimacy with the Father, free of sickness and pain, we're talking about true riches. And Jesus has all of this except one thing. And we shared this last week. What does Jesus not have? Us. The one thing Jesus doesn't have is us. And so he leaves his riches. He comes into this place of brokenness, lives a life of rejection, 
born in a manger in a humble, humble beginnings, finally goes to the cross and lays down his life. And the only conclusion I can come from that is he must be saying that he treasures us more than all of the treasures that he had. He says, you're more valuable than all of those things. That's why I gave those things up for you. Every person in this room, you say, I don't know Jesus. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. That's okay. He treasures you in that way. And when you begin to see, see, Jesus could be so generous towards us because we are his treasure. And when you begin to receive this truth, it begins to so change your heart that you begin to then see Jesus as your treasure. He becomes precious to you. And all of a sudden, all these things that gripped your life, they just become things because you have found something more precious. You have found the treasure in the field and you're willing to give up everything because Jesus is so beautiful to you. Do you know that you're his treasure? And he says you're more valuable than anything he had. He says, I'm giving that all up because I can't have heaven without you. And let that sink in and let that grip your heart and spend time meditating on that and you will find a freedom, a freedom to begin to, to live in, in radical generosity. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.